Life has its ups and downs. Our guests will share their story and their journey through life. They'll share the struggles they hit and how they pivot in a way to come out stronger and better than before. Growing up, we are taught there is one way of life that essentially creates our life's checkmark. You have a choice to go in any direction you desire. As you listen to our guest, you're encouraged to look at your life and the checkmark you created in your mind and readjust if needed after listening to some of the incredible stories told. This is the Life's Checkmark Podcast, and I'm your host, John Emery. Dennis, welcome back to Life's Checkmark Podcast. I had you back on episode 12, the Journey to Sobriety. And it was one of my biggest uh, listening episodes. So if you haven't checked that out, check episode 12. And you got you can listen to Dennis there. And you can get some uh, background uh, about Dennis and where he came from and his journey through life. But I asked Dennis to come on again to share another journey that he uh, experienced this this year, a couple of months ago, I think. And uh, it was the triathlon in, uh, I think it was Escape from Alcatraz is how they called it, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to leave it open to you and you just, you know, I like to, I like to understand what it was like to be prepared for that. What, what led you to doing this and on the outside, you know, the, on the back end of it, what, what did you experience from it and, you know, how did you feel? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, once again, thank you. It was, it was an absolute honor to be on the last, uh, last podcast with you. And, um, I really got to open up a lot about myself, which is really, um, really a unique opportunity that not a lot of people get. So to, to be able to do this again and something else that I'm very passionate about um, is very, uh, very exciting as well. Um, and I'll try not to be as wordy as, as I typically can be, but no promises, no promises. All right. All right. Uh, um, so I'll kick it off. So I, I grew up in central Illinois in a cornfield. Right. And I was athletic growing up and, and played baseball and some football wrestled for many years um, kind of name it, I did it. And I started cycling when I was 19 for a, a silly mistake that I made as a young adult where uh, I lost my license. And I started cycling. Um, when I got my license back, <clears throat> I uh, I just kept cycling. I, I, f- I found that I really enjoyed it. I was really good at it. Um, not really competitively raced, but um, did a lot of time on my bike. I found out that I could think a lot um, as I pushed myself uh, physically at that time from even as a young adult. Um, but as a kid uh, growing up in a cornfield and nothing to do much, much in the summertime, uh, we would watch uh, wide world of sports on ABC. And one summer, I think I was about 14 and I saw summer late fall. I don't remember when it was. I saw uh, the Ironman World Championships on TV. I was like, wow, you know, someday I want to do that. You know, and I set that goal. And years later, I was living in Florida and one of my friends uh, noticed that I rode my bike a lot. He goes, hey, have you ever think about doing triathlon? I'd never had been experienced or exposed to it before. And I'm like, man, I've always, I got really excited. You know, I'm like, I really wanted to do this. Oh yeah, let's do this. He goes, well, I'm doing a race in a couple of weeks. It's just a sprint, no big deal. I'm like, I'm there. So um, I did that first race and, you know, he was, he was a runner. Uh, I, I grew up swimming you know, during the summer. My, my babysitter for all my siblings was the, was the community pool, you know? So we got dropped off and open and picked up at clothes, you know? So it was, it was, that's just one of those things. So I knew that I could swim. 
Um, I knew I could cycle running. I was a sprinter growing up. So I had to really focus a little bit in those two and a half weeks on learning how to run a 5k. I'd never done that before. So a couple, a lot of things going on, you know? Um, so we started off that race and, um, my buddy, Tony, we're in the same, same group. Uh, so we wanted to swim and man, I, I, in 500 meters, you would think is nothing. And, and in reality, it's nothing anymore. Um, but it was brutal. You know, I got done swimming on the bike and that's where I excelled, you know? And I remember I, it was a, only a 15 mile ride in Florida, very flat. And, uh, I passed my buddy Tony at like mile 10, you know, and I, I went by him. I was doing about 32 miles an hour. And I just, just, just gently said, as I went by, I'm like, nice swim, you know, just phew, was gone. And, uh, I got to the transition area and I started to try to run. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do that kind of a brick where you're, you're running after you just push your legs like that, but they just don't typically function the same. So the, uh, on the run it's a 5k about halfway down, done with the run. He runs by me and gently says, nice bike ride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. and I'm in suffering, you know, but I got to the finish line and everybody's like, Oh, you did it. Everybody knows that like, you did it. You did it. And I'm like, don't talk to me. I'm going to get sick. You know, I'm like, Oh, this is horrible. You know? So I got my body settled down. My mind settled down. My breathing settled down. I'm like, so how'd it go? And there goes, when's the next one. And from that moment on, I was hooked on triathlon. I mean, living in Florida is actually easy to do. We could race once a month, a couple times a month if you wanted to. Um, but with that, I started setting my eyes on uh, building my bucket list. And that would be um, the ultimate goal of doing an Ironman. You know, I, I didn't know at the time that you had to qualify for um, the world championships or win the lottery. There's a lot of things that go, go into play there, but I could do one in Florida. Um, so I set a goal. And I uh, just before I started that race um, in Florida, I actually had moved to Germany. So I had to fly back um to the states to do the to the to do ironman florida so um did that race and i realized that that distance was really something that excited me because i could get into my mind i could get things churning and and working through um you know over an 11 hour workout you know uh a lot of things could be worked out in that time frame, not just your body and your mind and your spirit as well. Um, I ended up and I have so far, I have completed uh, five Ironman races. Um, and that's, I was uh, started in uh, Florida. Then I did Germany. Then I did France. Then I moved back to the States. Um, I did Ironman Louisville and Coeur d'Alene. So I have a lot of long distance experience, but in that time frame of doing all of that and having kids towards the end of it i still had one bucket list race in my bucket and that's escape from alcatraz now there's been movies there's stories there's um whatever you want to call them about what happened at alcatraz and people escaping there and whether they lived or not so that's the lore and the legend and the and the fear factor of doing this race um and if you don't have a story then you're just you're not doing what you need to do so for me, uh, I did my last Ironman at 42. Um, my, that was my last big race. Um, might have been 41. Um, I had uh, kids. Being a dad was more important to me, and my career is more important to me than doing triathlon at that point. Something had to go. I chose my kids, right? Fantastic. I wouldn't change it for the world. However, 
now that I'm not 41 anymore and I am, I just turned 55 with only one race left in my bucket. A couple of years, I had the opportunity to do this race. Um, they have, they have a lottery. I signed up. I actually won a spot. Um, when it came time to, uh, to make the decision on whether to do this race or not, I was in a kind of in a bad personal spot, uh, was separated, getting divorced again and having, uh, some real amazing times looking inward at myself, but not physically pushing myself. I, I wasn't there again. I had to make a decision and one evening sitting at a campground in front of a fire, um, I had to make a decision by midnight that night whether whether or not I was going to do this race. And and I had had my phone out. I had the form all filled out. All I had to do was push send, and I was in. You know, this this was it. This is my bucket. And I got a call from my sister. Said my mom's not doing well. And um, and I sat there and I looked at the fire and I started talking to God a little bit. I'm like, you know, I need some I need some guidance here. I said I I didn't have, um the tools I needed to make this decision on my own. So I just, just, just listened, listened to God for a little while. Um, my mom was one of my biggest fans. She's been to uh, quite a few of my races and she was there when pretty much all my kids were born and she was very important to me. And I said, you know, it's, it's more important to spend this time and energy on um, my mom. Uh, a couple months later, my mom passed away um june 1st and a really good experience for me um something that i cherished was my relationship with my mom and i was actually able to brag about my mom and and this might lead to another podcast it may not but we used to drag race together so we were on the same drag racing team my mom had her own drag car right she was tougher than i was but we have a lot of history there. Well, when my mom passed away, obviously, I, you know, I had to evaluate what I'm doing. And things settled down after the divorce, got into a routine back with my family and my kids and all this other stuff. And and just out of the blue, a an email came across that said, hey, if you ever thought about doing Escape from Alcatraz again, the, the lottery is coming up again. And I'm like, ah, you know what? Like, fine, I'll just enter the lottery. I probably won't win it again. How? What's the odds of winning the lottery spot again, you know? Right. So I I uh, entered, and, and on the day that it was, the selection came about, I got the email that said I got another spot. So I looked at that opportunity, and I said, wow, mom's looking out for me. You know, she she must have felt bad that I didn't get, I didn't get to go the first time, so here we are. Um, But I didn't know. So I reached out to my family, and... Um, I'm thinking about doing this race and I say the date of the race is June 11th and my everybody in my family is like holy crap you know that's kind of crazy that's my parents anniversary mm-hmm. so race day was my parents anniversary now my parents had still been married when my when uh, my mom passed away so and of of all the failures that I've had in my life with relationships, you know, my parents did it right. You know, when the words to death do your part, you know, came to fruition, that's when my parents split. So, um, but I looked at it and I put it out the family like, well, obviously mom's telling you, you need to do this race. And I said, it kind of seems like it doesn't it. I said, but you know, there's a cutoff day. I don't know what time that, when that is, I have to make a decision. I'm going to think about it a little bit. I had some logistics things I needed to do. My bike was out of date. Um, 
you know, my, my time, my race bike was, I got in 1995 or six. So it's, it's pretty old. Um, it has done three Ironmans itself. Right. But uh, yeah, it was time for a new bike. So I was looking at, can I get this done? Right. And I said, well, let me check the date. And so I Googled the date. I looked up the date that um, I had to make the final day. I need to make the decision to do this race. Same as when I was sitting in the campground, I had till midnight. Um, this was midnight on December 16th. That's my mom's birthday. And uh, it was it was more than an omen. Um, it was more than my mom. It was bigger than me at that point. And I committed to doing this race. Now, I committed to doing this race after not racing for a very long time. Uh, that was a very trying is probably the best word. Um thought process because i'm no longer in my 40s <laughs> you know i haven't done anything major other than a couple bike rides longer than 50 miles in the last 10 years um i hadn't swam in 10 years at least um and i really hadn't run either so there was a lot more to it and i had six months to get ready Unfortunately, experiences told me what I need to know, and 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 that is what kind of physical shape I need to be in. Um, I know from my history and and things that I have done in my past in really tough situations that if I tow the start line, I'm going to cross the finish line in whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, so I joined the pool, started swimming, and of course, at 55 years old, I go to the uh, University of Virginia Aquatic Center to swim with college kids. <laughs> oh, good, huh? <laughs> you talk about a reality check. Yeah, so, right. um, so years passed, I would swim, you know, pretty, pretty spot on for pro times. I was a pretty good swimmer. I didn't have that, and I mm -hmm. had to really focus on it, um, which you know, starts attacking you mentally as well. You know, man, I do, am I doing the right thing? You know, as you're swimming with these, with these people that are, you know, really good shape, young, and, you know, I'm struggling just to, just to do 500 meters, you know, and I have a really solid support group of guys um, in my, in my dad group that I reach out to and I talk to, and I just kind of just, mostly it's just word vomit like I'm doing now. And, you know, it's, you get the kudos of, oh, I can't believe you're even attempting it. You're so great for this. You know, all those things are great to hear. But when the voices start, when you're trying to breathe, <laughs> and, you know, as humans, we don't breathe water, um, you know, you start questioning a lot of things. Um, I know that when I get to a point where I am ready, uh, I don't think about the activity. I just do. And my mind does other things for me. Um, it took a little while. I'd say it probably took three months to get to the point where I could do that with swimming. And that's only one third of what it is that has to be done, you know? So um, I, I'm a cyclist, so I knew where my body needed to be for that. Um, I set my spin bike up and I, you know, I, I would do uh, uh, Zoom calls and dad calls and uh, coaching calls uh, while on my spin bike. You know, because that's yeah, the only yeah. time I could really work out. You know, I'm I'm 55. I have a life. I have all. I have a career. I have kids. I have you know clients. I have all these things going on. When is it time to train? So you got to figure those things out. Um, uh, living in the mountains here, uh, I think it set me up pretty well for San Francisco, which everybody knows is pretty darn hilly. Um, I got a new bike. I was able to. Uh, my mom helped me with that. 
um, which was pretty awesome. Um, so I, you know, still think about her when I ride. Um, I got to a point while I was riding that um, even though there was a struggle, I focused more so on just riding the hills, not really racing them. Um, so I could save some for my legs because now I have, you know, 54 year old legs that are, they're all beat up and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old. I get it. Okay. I'm good. So with all the training, the mental aspect that took its toll on me realistically was that. I am going to have to travel. I'm going to have to, my, my um, youngest daughter, who's 11, um, where I share time with her mom. Um, she was going to come with me. Um, I had just uh, ended a relationship uh, that was, was good, but needed to, needed to change. Um, and actually that, that person uh, met us there as well. So that she went through a lot of the training aspect of it. So she was actually able to go to San Francisco, which was on her bucket list to do, uh, to watch. So with all the training, the mental aspect of it, getting things dialed in, getting a little bit more clarity in doing that, pushing myself physically, mentally, and, and embracing the spiritual aspect and growth there as well of pushing myself at this age, um, seemingly harder just to get caught up than I did when I was in my forties. All of that was, was a true challenge yet testament to my fortitude of what my goals mean. Um, and I use that term goals. Uh, this was a goal that I wrote when I put in that bucket, when I was in my early thirties, you know, and, and this is a, a true testament to, you never know when you have the opportunity to reach a goal. And being prepared to accept the challenge as it arises and presents itself, some say is really cool. I think it's probably more than that. Um, I could have easily never thought about that race again and 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 sat on the couch and did or did whatever else and and challenged myself differently. Mm-hmm. But for me, to look at that bucket race, have that opportunity to do again, um, with my mom watching her health the first time through, she wouldn't have been able to come once. My mom was there. My mom helped me get through that race. Um, there were challenges in that race, which I'll get to in a second, because there were some real challenges. Um, it's not the easiest race. It's um, I had to dig deep. I had to dig really deep. And not just physically. I think physically I was I was probably ready enough. I probably could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, mentally questioning myself every every stroke on the swim am i going the right way there's some things that were involved there that were like holy toledo this is insane um when i got on the bike i had some mechanical issues that there was an opportunity to uh just be like i, I can't do this but i did not say that yeah. and the interesting thing about this this was the first race i've ever done that uh the timing chip was actually you could track on the course so they my and you know silly me oh hey yeah you guys can track me in the race you know to everybody that i know <laughs> and of course now oh, is that how it worked out yeah <laughs> see where you're at me on the race i'm like okay wait a minute There's a whole is other, he floating on the water <laughs> a whole other dynamic so actually the water is the only place that they really couldn't track so that was okay because okay, i'll get to that in a second yeah. but just to go flash forward a little bit when i got done with the race and you know i'm i'm like all this uh, and I go over to uh, to Jody and my daughter, 
Skyler. And I'm like, yeah, I had, I had a mechanical issue on the bike. And, and Skyler's like, yeah, we saw right where you stopped. And I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. <laughs> so, so that was that. So so race day comes. You know, we travel there and I get there and I, I, I have a bike box that I carry my bike with. And um, because it has to be flown there and, and it's, it's with me. And I get there and uh, two days prior, I get there, I put the bike together. I go out on a ride, man. I feel good. I feel strong, you know, like, and, and I'm riding in the same hills we're going to race on. So I'm like, man, this, this is all right. This is pretty good. Yeah. So, um, bike's ready to go. Uh, shoes, everything's good. Swim stuff is there. I had to change from a three mil suit to a five mil suit because everybody's like, Oh, oh the water's going to be freezing and you're not going to feel anything. And all this, all this, hoopla over you know what suits i bought a thicker wetsuit which i thought well if anything it's gonna help me float a little better you know but maybe i'll swim a little bit faster um i was trained to do that swim in 45 minutes to an hour um the morning of the race i uh, went through went back checked my bike everything transition is good um we had we had to get on a bus the bus took us to the uh, boat that then takes us out and drops anchor right off of alcatraz island so I'm there for that i'm a little worried about because everybody's like don't miss the bus because if you miss the bus you can't get the boat if you don't get on the boat you don't get to start the race you don't get to start the race you don't get to do the race and i'm like so and it was like like a recording it was crazy um it's kind of like i remember that movie airplane the red zone is from parking <laughs> loading so that was in a loop in my head i'm like get there so in that process i didn't eat breakfast of course because you know it's three o'clock in the morning who eats breakfast at three o'clock in the morning other than every other triathlete except for dennis but i get to the boat we get on the boat we're sitting there and now the boat was leaving 45 minutes to an hour after i got on it so we're sitting there talking and just you know just people are going through their racing resumes you know and, and just you're meeting people from all over the world and and it's really that's a really cool bonding experience but mm -hmm. you're probably never going to see these people again in your life once the race starts Unless you finish next to the same person you're sitting to on the boat, you'll probably never see them again. So you, you you meet people, you talk about things, how their lives are, what they do, and you know I I I am pretty attuned with with being uh, a dad, um, a coach, you know all of those things, and I talk about that a little bit. Like, well, have you ever done a race before? And I start talking about my my race history. So I've done, I mean, I've raced in fourteen different countries now 15 different states um i have a pretty extensive resume as far as racing goes 14 years ago none of that matters you know what i mean it's like okay that's great that was nine, you know 1900s <laughs> oh, that's right that's right yeah thank you for that um so you know now it's getting close and people getting you know fired up because the race is going to start now you have to jump off of this boat and people jump every two seconds. And you can Google and watch the swim start of these things, and it's really intense. So you jump off this boat, and right below you are people, right? So you got to make sure you don't jump on top of them because that would not be very good. However, race uh, experience tells me that in the water, um, when you're trying to swim and share water space with, you know, 2,000 people, it's crowded. Um, the thing about San Francisco Bay is it's tidal. So when the, when the tide's coming in, the water's pushing into the bay. When the tide's going out, water pulls out back into the ocean. Um, and it's by clockwork, right? So the swim, they tell you, they give you all this amazing information. They did an, an amazing job with the race preparing, preparing everybody if you paid attention. Um, 
I grew up poor and I still am too poor to pay attention. So um, I knew what I needed to do. I had my sights figured out, all this other stuff. Right. Um, once you're in the water, now this is this this particular day. The race was amazing. I'll not knock the race whatsoever. They cannot control water and wind conditions as much as we'd like them to. It can't happen. Yeah. So I drop in the water and I get in the water and I can't see my hand on, on a full stroke. I can't see my hand. Water's green, murky. Um, and it's that color green that um, it's hard to explain, but it looks a little bit like vomit. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's it's not the most pleasant thing to be like trying to swim through. Mm-hmm. But as the current was going out, you're supposed to point kind of ups. I don't know, I'll call it stream. It's not really a stream, but up current. And then as the current comes down, it kind of pulls you to the the swim takeout. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm in the water and I can't see anything because there's a strong wind coming cross current, which means let's say the, the tide's pulling left to right, the wind's blowing right to left. So the current's pulling you literally to the San Francisco Bridge out to the ocean. You got a little ways. This is not like right away. But as the wind's coming the other way, the top of the water has about a three-foot random swell. So there's any, if if you do any kind of swimming, there's a rhythm, you know, and then I breathe every third stroke. I start my throat. I can't get her. Every time I try to breathe, there's water. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? So I'm like, okay, Dennis, you've been here before. You know what swimming in open water is like. Just relax. Let everybody go. Let the chop settle down. Well, because this is such a televised and visual race, there's mm-hmm. boats all over the place. So now you have boat wakes, wind, current. You can't sight now because everything you're looking for is on land where you should be sighting about halfway up. The, the hills so, so it took a little while to figure that out um and before the race they explain if you get in trouble raise your hand get to one of the kayaks um if you get too far off course we'll pick you up on a boat drive you to 200 yards offshore and just let you go finish you won't be disqualified it's just it's a safety thing you won't be disqualified you just, we want you to get out of the water safely to finish your day and, I, and I'm, in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, that's kind of interesting, you know, but okay, whatever. Nobody should really need that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, I'm swimming, just keep swimming. You got Dory playing in mind. I'm talking to mom, you know, I'm talking to God. I'm like, where is the land? You know, you get punched a few times in the face because you're swimming next to all these people. Okay, mm-hmm. people swimming over you, you swimming over people. That's racing. That's the triathlon. And I, I look up, I'm like, I have not gone anywhere <laughs> in like 20 minutes. I, I look up, I'm like spotting the same stuff, but the I was swimming uh, enough against the tide pulling out, which turned out to be one of the strongest tides in, in the history of the race, which is weird. So I'm like literally swimming in place for 20 minutes. I'm going, what is going on here? So I'm taking, I'm like, okay, you just need to get to land. At this point, who cares where that is? You need to get to land. In my mind, I'm like, you were ready for an hour swim on what should be a 45-minute swim. So I just swim, and I'm swimming, I'm swimming. And I, now I see people on boats going pa- all behind me, right? <laughs> going by me, getting dropped off. And, and I'm like, well, no, no, no. I'm like, 
<laughs> what is going on here? You know, and I'm just just trying not to drown. I'm trying to just get to the swim finish, you know, and I actually missed the swim finish exit by uh-huh. a quarter mile down the beach. That's how that strong was, um... Um, I was in that and I was in the water for an hour and a half. Yeah. So it was a tough, tough swim. And and I was ready for a tough swim. Um, you know, everybody's all worried about the sharks. Because you know, I'm doing a concert. Oh, you got so much shark money. Where are you scared about sharks? Okay, I've dove with sharks. I've been scuba diving with sharks. I love sharks. Growing up in a cornfield, obviously I studied them as a kid. I know a lot about sharks. What I did not know, and something that I, I learned, um, and this is something they actually put on the, the race website, is there are 23 different species of sharks in San Francisco Bay. Oh, wow. And right after they say that, they say, not those kind of sharks. Because <laughs> everybody's <laughs> thinking the ones that are coming to eat you, you know, just right, waiting right. for the humans to jump in the water. So, um, and also I learned something else. The deepest part of San Francisco Bay is under the bridge at 390 feet. I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think the average depth of San Francisco Bay is? What the average is. So that if that's the deepest, I don't know, 150? 14 feet. That's it? The average depth. Oh Which is why gosh. the water is so murky, right? Because all the tour boats, I mean, the water just never stops churning. Wow. All right. Yeah. So I learned a lot about San Francisco. So I get out of the out of out of the water and I'm just spent. I mean, I know it was long. I, I don't I don't wear a watch. Um, I don't time myself during these races. I did when I was younger, but it got too much mental game. Um, so I just didn't do it. I was doing this because this is, was that something I wanted to do. And I'm running, running up the beach to the swim exit, and there's my daughter. And she's, uh, she came up, and she's like, um, she said something to me. Oh, I should, I don't know, I don't remember what it was, but it was motivating. It was very mm-hmm. intense. But my whole thing was, I did not want her to see me quit. Yeah. And at 11 years old, um, for her to to watch that event and watch all these people get plucked out of the water, mm-hmm. but to see her dad swim the whole thing. I could still be swimming and I'd still be all right with that. Right. Um, right. So we had a, a quick transition. You know, I, I, I got out of my wetsuit. I put my shoes on. I ran to transition. I got on my bike. And I'm, I most races I excel on the bike. Um, this is a hilly course. Um, when I got into transition, that's when you know where you stand within the grand scheme of things. And mm-hmm. there's only like 40 other bikes in transition of the 2000 people doing this race i'm behind a lot of people and usually i'll blow by a good amount the ride was only 18 miles i'm like man i can i can crush this right um very hilly and i i take off and on the flat part before you get to where the hills start i'm flying full tuck arrow just wide open just going i'm like okay mentally getting ready for the climbs i got this you know First first climb, I was like, wow, that wasn't so bad. This is all it is. I'm going to, man, awesome. Now, typically when you ride a hilly course, you have downhills, you have uphills, right? A lot of the times the um, downhills, you get halfway up the uphill before you really need to start working again, right? It's called momentum. Um, some race courses call themselves, and I'll put this in air quotes, technical rides, curves, and turns. I'm okay with that. I can turn fast. I can turn I, whatever we got. With this, you climb up these steep hills, then you go down this downhill, but then there's a there's a 90 degree turn, 
where you have to kind of stop to make the turn that then to go uphill takes all your momentum away about the third semi good climb. It wasn't a huge one. It wasn't a bad one. Um, I, I started getting in my climbing gear. I had, I still was in my comfort gear in the first two Hills. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna do. Okay. I'm gonna make up some time. I'm gonna make up some space. I'm gonna make some, you know, I'm passing people. And I made that downhill. I'm, I made that first right-hand turn and it was a pretty significant uphill. I'm like, okay. So I get my, and my go to get my climbing gear. Then I'm working. I'm still in my, uh, I was in my big ring in front. I dropped down my small ring in front, but I was still in my comfort gear in the back. It got to the point where our legs are saying, okay, we need to make an adjustment. So I went to shift into my, my climbing gear and my chain spit off halfway up this hill. Jeez. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to pedal without your chain on the bike. You don't go far fast at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, and I'm trying to, and if you have any kind of momentum, you can kind of use your gears to try to get your chain back on. Not happening. Okay. So I had to stop going up this hill. And when I stopped, that's when my daughter noticed that I stopped because <laughs> it like okay. you, your little right. your little emoji goes. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> tracking you, <laughs> absolutely zero. And um, so I get off. And I'm like, well, I'm gonna have to walk up this hill because I couldn't restart going going up this hill. It was that steep. So I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I put the chain on. I get to the top. I jump back on. I'm going. I'm like, okay, cool. If I drop down two gears, I'm gonna have to work harder. But I, I know I can get going. And then the real hills in San Francisco presented themselves on this course. <laughs> so I struggled on the bike. I really struggled on the bike. Every time I tried to slip, uh, shift my granny gear or my uh, climbing gear, chain would come off. Mm. So I couldn't climb. So I bustled through. I'm, I muddled through. And there were other people on the side of the road, similar issues. You know, there's, there's a lot of it. I, I walked a couple of hills because there's no way. I couldn't even turn the pedals over. I, I was that steep. So that was really kind of a cool and humbling, you know, reminder of, you know, gravity is there. (laughs) But I got done with the the hills. I got back down on the flat and my legs were like, man, I'm ready to go. So back, you know, 25 miles an hour on the flat. I mean, riding like like the big boys. Well, then comes the run. Before I start talking about this run, I have to say this. It was one of the coolest runs in a race I have ever done. And that's probably 350 to 400 races. It was a really cool run. I wish I had fresh legs for it. Yeah. Um, so I transitioned out of my bike, off my bike. It's literally just a shoe change for me. Um, I All my race kit, I wear at the same time. Some people put on these shirt, socks, and all this stuff. Mine's just shoe change. Boom, and out. Um, I started on the run. I felt actually pretty loose. I was, wow, first mile, mile and a half was flat. Same thing I just rode on, so it was flat. You know, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm almost last, but yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I run up on this guy who's, um, I have an Ironman tattoo on my calf. And I run okay. up on this guy um, that has, a, has an Ironman tattoo on his calf. And I'm like, well, you know, let's just work on this together. Right. We'll, we'll support each other. We'll run when we can kind of thing. The rah, rah. We run across people. We see people. So I run up to him and I just start walking with him. We start talking. He's from Canada. Great guy. We, we did the whole thing together. So on this race, on the run aspect of this race, now, mind you, I'm already uh, probably an hour longer than I thought I would be. I thought I'd be done by now. Yeah. So the course goes from asphalt to pea gravel 
which was okay, no problem, to a concrete, to uphill concrete, then on a um, drainage path from the rain coming down the road on the side, the dirt gets washed away. Now, at this point, people are running the other direction back to the finish as I'm heading out, and we're trying to share this path that's about 18 inches wide. <laughs> so it was it was interesting, um, to say the least, but it was doable. And then you, we came across this, because um, that, that obviously water runs downhill, so we ran downhill on this path, and then we come across this parking lot. Then there's a... I'd say it was about a 25 degree uh, incline of concrete. It was only maybe 50 feet, but I don't know if you've ever run 50 feet almost vertically no. <laughs> when your legs are cached. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was interesting. But we got up it, right? We got up okay. it together. We got up okay. it. And then the weirdest thing, we run another little dirt path, and then there's a culvert that we had to run through. And this the culvert was interesting because you know, mostly just like a tunnel, but on one end, you actually had to duck to go through it, mm-hmm. which I've never had to duck in a race like this before, but okay, mm-hmm. let's, yeah. let's go. Let's keep going. So then we run uphill again on a dirt path and then back down to, um, on a, on a, like a regular, um, mountain trail, right? Nothing major, mm-hmm. um, to the soft sand on the beach. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you've ever run on soft sand. <laughs> There's not it's a lot hard. of traction. It will really work your legs. So we run the soft sand to the hard sand. Down the hard sand about eh, three quarters of a mile. And then, just to make it interesting, the turnaround is back up the soft sand. <clears throat> so you go, you do the turnaround. They're all cheering you on. Now all you have to do is go back. You got this. You know, and like <laughs> your legs are going, I'm going to kick you in the face if I can lift my foot. Right, right. So then you go back down the soft sand, back to the hard sand, back up the soft sand to what they call a sand ladder. This is 400 steps, a 400 step staircase ladder that is comprised of a six inch round log timber and sand. Mm. Yes, your worst nightmare. Um, yeah. coming to fruition in anything. And I prepared. I, I trained on stairs. I knew it was there, but I'd never seen it before. And this guy that I was running with, he went up like it was nothing. My legs were like, thought you said sand escalator. It's not an escalator? No, it's not an escalator, legs. We got to get up this thing. So he he took off. And another guy I was chasing, I was eyeballing because I want to get him at the end, you know, that sprint at the end where you pass somebody, you're like the hero. Yeah. Uh, yeah that didn't happen um i'm watching these guys and they get out on me like three quarters of a mile to a mile i can barely see them Uh when i get to the top of these stairs and now we're going back that exact same course that we just ran out here for same one going back and i just started reeling them in and i felt to i was at a point where i was like you know what I'm going to finish this race with that guy I started this run with, and he's a mile ahead of me, and I have four miles to catch him. Mm-hmm. And I just started just started running, and I, I got comfortable in it. Um, I was spotting people ahead of me that I wanted to catch. Um, I would get a little closer, get a little closer, get a turn, oh, move a little closer. And 
sure enough, I about half to three quarters of a mile out, I caught it. And when I ran back up on him again, um, I'm like, you're a hard man to catch. And he said, I was wondering when you were going to come back, you know. So we <laughs> chat a little bit. <clears throat> and then when we get to this point, now you're we're back on the asphalt. And it's about a quarter of a mile run. And he says, just so you know, I, I can't not run at the finish of this. He said, I said, oh, that's cool. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to go, you know, too. And I, I'd like to finish with you. And he goes, okay, let's start it. He picked out a sign. I said, you sure you don't go to the following sign? It's a little close to the finish. You know, I don't want to be halfway to the finish and be like done, <laughs> you know, down the, down the finishing shoot, you know. <laughs> I'm like, nope. So let's do it. So stride for stride, we finished that last little bit. And as we entered the finisher shoot, it's on grass. And it's just little slight uphill. You know, the grass is wet, you know, and it's just, just this little slight uphill. And I'm like, oh, I can't stop now. I can't stop now. And when we crossed the finisher mat, we passed the other guy that I wanted to pass. Um, and we stepped on the finisher mat at the exact same time and we had the exact same finish. Okay. And so that was a really cool closing experience for me. Um, in many races in the past, I've I've done similar things where I've helped people get to the end. And this time we helped each other. It was really mm -hmm. kind of neat. Cool. Um, and then afterwards, unbeknownst to me, as I'm running down the finisher shoot, my daughter, who's 11, is running on the outside of the shoot videoing. Uh, <clears throat> nice. She said she was running. And then I found out <laughs> she was actually walking. I'm like, and keeping up with me. So it was, it was in a car. <laughs> she, no, no. <laughs> I was just that slow. But you know, I, I, I finished, you know, I finished in a run, which I always try to do. So I, 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 I towed the line. I struggled. I worked. Mm -hmm. I talked to my mom. I had a couple times where I melted down you know, on the run where I was like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And, you know, the, the opportunity for me to um, understand everything that I had gone through to get to every single step of that race yeah. kind of, kind of was piling on, you know, and, and I know my mom was there watching and when I crossed that finish line, I just, I, I got my medal, my finisher medal and, you know, just, Congratulate all the people around me, like, oh, you did it, you did it, you know, because you got to be a sportsman as well. Um, and then before I went and picked up my bike, I just sat down in the corner of transition and I, and I talked to my mom for a little bit and, um, you know, I thanked her. Uh, the inspiration that started from my mom when I was a kid, every time I do something big like this, shows um, that that's, that's what I had uh, for a mom. Um, so I had a little bit of a meltdown there, and then I got my bike. <clears throat> now, mind you, I'm mad at my bike now because it it you know I failed it as much as it failed me. Um, so I'm walking out, and you know all the pictures and the congratulations and all this stuff, and the race is done. Right, the race is done. Um, for me, that experience wasn't done. Um, two weeks ago, when my other kids were here for this, for summer break we drove to Illinois and I took my race bike and I don't think I told you this before. So I took my race bike with me to Illinois and my, from where my mom is buried to my parents' house is I was like 25 miles, but it's Illinois really flat. I forgot how okay. flat until I wrote it. Um, I took um, the opportunity to ride from my parents' house 
to my mom's grave um and i gave her uh my finisher medal for uh alcatraz and i, I placed it on her headstone um had a nice little uh talk with her sat down took a little cat nap and just just enjoyed the air enjoyed the space enjoyed the time with my mom um then my dad and, and my kids showed up and i was actually going to ride back but we decided to do lunch um so i threw my bike in the truck and and then went to lunch but i had the opportunity to to give my mom that medal and uh yeah it was uh it's pretty special for me yeah that and i could tell the whole time you're sharing this story that you really loved your mom and she really meant a lot to you and what what an inspiration that was for you to carry this out and and then place that medal on her stone that that is really cool um i i would have to say that you know i your mother was your inspiration and for others it could be their friends it could be their kids you know i mean so uh whatever that is not just for a triathlon, you know, I mean, for people out there just to have that person to try to, to accomplish something that they've been wanting to go and accomplish, um, that it, it, it's a great story, a great journey, you know, a, a good part of your chapter of your life that you got to share with us. And I appreciate that and how open you were about not just, you know, not just, uh, the, event itself but outside of that what started it you know what you know how you got it back to go the chance and the opportunity to go do it again you know and uh you know you said a lottery so it sounds like it they just pick somebody out of thin air right you know uh that's how i assume it and that's you know you get an email and you're like oh okay you know you get to go like what are the chances of that like so you had the opportunity you took it and and you came out finishing it you know, whether it was dead last or first place, you know, you came out finishing. Um, so, yeah. So my hat's off to you for, you know, going ahead and, and doing all that. You know, it's something I probably wouldn't want to do right now, but, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, I don't give advice very often. Um, yeah. I, I I talk to people about where they are and their, their lives. And I will always say this. And I, I tell this to my clients. I, t- I tell to just about anybody that wants to listen is if you can pinpoint your why why you're going to do anything that you're doing mm-hmm. um if you know your why it, it it embodies you it and you embody it so it's not something that that you you necessarily have to look for but you have to be prepared to see it when it's presented and in anything in anything and and you know you took a leap of faith yourself we, we talked about this in the past you know um, and, and my biggest thing now is if you want to do something in your life that's big and you're scared to do it, I think I said this to you yesterday, right? Do it scared, right? Just do it because you never know. I would rather try something 10 times and fail than not try it and not know. Mm-hmm. And every single day I look for something that I'm going to fail in. I, I look for it. I look for it every single day. Because if I failed, I at least tried. Yeah. And in that in that failure, there's lessons. And when you have those lessons and you learn, maybe you learn a way not to fail next time. Yep. And, and all the people that have success, however you want to word that and look at it, what it is, they've all failed. They get to that title, right? So, yeah, I mean, it, no matter what it is, 
just try it, do it. You know, they, I know tries like, you know, you're not doing anything, so you gotta do it. Right. You know, and, and just work on it. So, uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I, yeah, I'll back you up with that one. Yeah. But this is awesome, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you let me share my story. Um, I, there's, I could spend another hour just bragging about <laughs> my mom. Um, but you know, the, the fact that my kids get to see me push myself and, mm. and another quick little, little thing. My, my youngest saw that she's now, um, swimming in a, in a league and competitively, um, and the swim meet before my race and the swim meets after she mm. has found another level um because she she saw what it what it takes to push herself and so passing that along has been really kind of cool to see um and now she's really excited and her language is now changed due to that mm-hmm. and you know I, I don't know if she'll ever do a triathlon I, I i hint at it and there's little races that she could do you know and no i don't want to do that i don't want to do that but you know she's watching she's watching yeah. And, and kids do that. So you got to be that role model. You got to step up. So I, I'll share a quick little one with you. Um, my son, he's 13. And, you know, he's what you know, I've been working with a personal trainer for six months now, if a little bit more, maybe. And so he's seen me change. Right. And so, you know, he likes his video games. He likes to do what he wants. That's great. But now he's starting to, hey, you know, when you're working out, you know, and, you know, so he wants to can do some. It, it's a slow progress. Right. Um, but he's, he's starting to look into it and, and see what is on the other end. It's not, it's, it's delayed, delayed gratification, not, you know, um, instant gratification. So he's starting to see that. And, and it was funny cause he just said something to me the other day about, have you ever heard about cold showers? I'm like, I'm like yeah, you know, I like, that's, that's, you know, I don't do them all the time but you know but like i know about them and he's like yeah they're really good for you and he's you know so we're gonna challenge each other on that but but yeah so i'm just sharing that because they 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 see everything that you do and if you they also see everything you don't do and then that's also what they're gonna do as well and not do those things um yeah absolutely yeah no and yeah. I, and I, I think the key to moving them further for themselves is then to then to then catch them doing that correctly and and Mm -hmm. emphasizing that wow that's really great that you're doing that you know rather than you need to go do this you need to go do that you need to stop doing that wow that's awesome that you're doing that when you catch them doing something correctly that has way more power than the than the negative aspect of what they what they need or slash should do um and, and kids i think grow exponentially when you can when you can do that yeah yeah it they they uh they they mirror your image. You know what I mean? So they're going to, they're going to mimic what you're doing. Yep. No matter what it is. So, um, yeah, Dennis, I appreciate you coming on and sharing this story, chapter journey, part of your, however you want to word it. Right. So it's been really great to have you come back on and, uh, share this. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you for having the platform to do so. I hope my message gets out to somebody that they can, uh, they can learn and grow. So thank you for that. Definitely will. Yeah, definitely will. Thank you. Awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time listening to Life's Checkmark. If you like this show, please subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll see you next time.